Rudy Gay, angle right three is good. Boy, his stroke is on it tonight. To be honest, I told our team, too. I just thought our whole group really competed. And, you know, those guys gave us juice. You know, that's what we need for guys coming off the bench. But I, I thought across the board, we didn't play as well as we want to. You know, I thought it wasn't the most well-played game. There was missed shots. But I thought both teams really, really competed in battle. Forrest, an in-and-out right-hand dribble. Stopping in the pocket. Now works the left side. Switches left to right. Floats it up and in. You just got to be locked into the game plan. And I feel like we have a lot of smart guys and just the organization and general, so playing with each other was pretty easy. Everybody was kind of locked in from the start of the game plan to the end. Just had a few breakdowns there at the end, but other than that, I feel like that's what kind of kept us together in the game for the most part. Screen from Dorius. Back to Ashworth for three. Yes! It's ring of threes. Hallelujah! Aggies up by 15 over San Diego State. You know, it felt like an eternity since we won in Mountain West play, and you know, that's, that's a compliment to the conference and where we're at, and it's super fun to be able to be in the type of conference that we are and so felt great to uh, kind of get that monkey off our back here especially against San Diego State who's a very good team into the lane comes Conley and he draws the foul the contact in the bucket despite having lost a few of these games we've been a lot more connected we've done a lot of good things and as a group we've stood together and resilient in a time that without Don without really guys in and out of lineup and you know we're just trying to find our way regardless of the situation and regardless of the losses I think we're heading in the right direction as far as staying connected we have our lapses here and there, but that can come from just we're not used to playing with certain guys and certain guys are using the playing in certain minutes. So it's just about once we get it all back together, I think we'll start to feel a little bit better about ourselves. House again, this time from the right side, and oh, everything in this house is gorgeous right now. I love everyone here. I mean, they welcome me with open arms, accepting me. No one has ever turned me down. They always ask me if I need anything. They're always making me comfortable. So especially being a guy that's been accustomed to a certain way for years and then come out over here and be welcome with, with loving on. It makes you really enjoy the process and everything. So that's why I feel like the staff, the organization, they just do an unbelievable job just to make sure that every player on this roster have whatever they need, whenever they need, and so much more. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. And thank you for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, uh, obviously your host here each week. And I uh, hope you guys are having a fun Saturday wherever you might be. The sun is out and shining. It's a bit hazy out there, but it's not necessarily uh, awful weather by any means. And hope you guys, once again, are doing great. I've got uh, Jeff along for the ride today, producing behind the glass. Jeff, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, you you were up late last night, and you took quick quick turnaround for you. Yeah, pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> Jazz game last night, but uh-huh. it's all about the grind. Absolutely, that, that's the thing about it. So certainly an earlier night than than Wednesday night I, was. I, well, I was going to say you, Wednesday night was. You got a oof. six o'clock tip on last night, and then you got eight o'clock for the ESPN game, and even later than that, sometimes the eight thirty games. Oof, those are brutal. I, and trust me, I, I, I know the brutality because mine's a little bit different. I had to be up so early during the week for DJ and PK that those 8.30 games, I'm just like, I'm going to get like three hours of sleep. Now, like, sometimes I'm wondering if you're going to have some like big project you'd have to do and you're going <laughs> to show up here for DJ and PK and uh, I'm still going to be here after a that, jazz game. That has happened. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the So some people will remember the... It's the BYU-Utah game from 2019. They oh, opened, yeah, you told me about this. They opened this. on a Thursday night, and they had the rain delay in the fourth quarter that pushed over an hour, and that game finished well past midnight. It's a Thursday night. I have to do the show on Friday morning. Uh, by the time I was done down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I'm trying to remember, 
I'd estimate it was somewhere around 1 or 1.30 a.m. And I was like, you know what? I've got to be into the station. So I literally went home, uh, took a shower, and got some other clothes on. I've been wearing clothes for like the same clothes all day. So I got some new clothes on, came in here, and just got to work. So I essentially pulled an all-nighter pretty much. And so it's happened. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Respectfully, I hope to never see you that early. I sincerely hope you don't. Yeah, I, I hope that never happens. I, I would hope any other time of the day. I, I hope to see you at the station. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I get that. So uh, once again, of course, it is Saturday. We're talking all things sports today. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk Utah Jazz. We'll talk NFL playoffs. Uh, Tom Homo spoke to the media earlier this week. BYU's athletic director. We'll get the technical fouls. Five minutes of. We got a lot to cover ahead, and we've not got a lot of time to do it. But a quick reminder for you guys. Guys, that the Saturday show is proudly presented to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, as we do typically each week when we kick off the show, we get to what's the big deal? Let's go. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I love that open. I, I, I say it each week, but it just makes me laugh every time I, I listen to it. But uh, starting off today's show, we're going to talk Utah Jazz, and I wish I could come on here and say things are great with Utah Jazz when they're really not because the Jazz have now lost four straight. You extend it back, they are have lost 10 of their last 12. And if you want to go all the way back to New Year, so there's been 15 games this month in the month of January, if my count is correct, they are a grand total of 3-12 and 12 this month with one more game to come this month technically. That'll come tomorrow night. Uh, Jeff, you have been producing the vast majority of these games uh, this season. You are our Jazz game producer. You, you behind the scenes make the whole ship run and Anybody who wants to know the hardest job I think in sports radio, it might be producing Utah Jazz games. Uh, it's it's not easy. <laughs> um, I was actually last night running from room to room because I had some things I had to get done last minute. Well, so I was literally sprinting. So it's not just mental; it's physical too. You're you're running sometimes. Oh, I, I'm. <laughs> fully aware i'm a former jazz intern myself i've produced jazz games i've been in that seat that you've been in it but i'm glad you're here today because the jazz this past week they have faced the three teams in front of them in the western conference so they faced the golden state warriors they faced the suns twice and they faced the grizzlies last night they've lost all four of those games but i want to get your sense for this i felt like in all of those losses the utah jazz were actually fairly competitive where do you stand on it yeah i agree with that i think overall the team and the coaching staff, they don't believe in moral victories, but no. they do like to see certain things to show that things are going in the right direction. Quinn all year has been saying it's not about right now. It's about where we are at the end of the year um, and being ready for playoffs because last year, number one seed went out in the second round. You know, it, it's all about being ready for playoffs. It's all about the championship. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough to say because it, it, it does. It feels rough because they have lost so many games recently but trying to keep the perspective it's not an excuse but you try to keep the perspective that donovan's been out and rudy's been out and they are competing a lot better than this week mm -hmm. than they were against some other teams that they have lost to 
And so showing that improvement and not allowing themselves to continue to be lackadaisical, I think is a good sign. Um, you've seen some work from some players that don't normally get that time. Daniel House yeah. was, was great last night and has, has shown that he he cares. He's on his technically third uh, 10-day contract with the two regulars in the hardship. Uh, Eric Pascal has done well off the bench. So you've, you've been able to see some more work from some other players. You've seen that competitive spirit. Um, and a weird kind of feeling is, you know, for all the losses and how bad they've looked with the loss, like how bad it is to lose, they're still fourth in the West, which is not bad. Like in it's, some ways, it's, it's not. Bad. In some ways, it's bad. In some ways, it's good. Like it's it's not a horrible position to be in. And if uh, Conley and Quinn, I think both talked about it last night, that if Donovan and Rudy come back and they're playing at the level that the team is playing at now, getting those pieces back, they're going to be just fine. Um, I think. One concerning thing for me, because they are com- they have been competing this week against top teams, mm-hmm. is there's been talk this year about them playing to the level of their competition, where they play down against below 500 teams, they play up to above 500 teams, and they need to be, you know, giving that hard effort every single night. Because if they played the way they played against the Grizzlies and the Suns, if they played that way against the Pacers or sure. Detroit. They win those games, I think. Okay, so. I need to correct myself. They're four and eleven this month. I miss I, I I miscounted. So they're four and eleven this month. They have wins over New Orleans, Denver twice, and then also Detroit. So that's those are the four wins this month. And I'm with you on on your point. You're playing maybe some lesser competition with you being shorthanded. Maybe you do win some of these games. But I felt like all four of these games so far this week, the Jazz have been. They've been in every one of them. They lost to Golden State 94-92 last Sunday. Then uh, at Phoenix, 115-109. to uh, Then they come home, face Phoenix. This is the lone home game this week, 105-97. to And then they're at Memphis last night, losing 119-109. to The biggest thing, and I feel like with this Utah Jazz, looking back at last night's game, is that the Jazz, if you compare average height wingspan across position groups for the Memphis Grizzlies versus the Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies are magnificent in terms of wingspan uh, measurables for their positions. John ja Morant, Desmond Bain, you, you look at Good luck what, dealing with Stephen Adams. I was going to say, Stephen Adams also. like Just the, the way that the Memphis Grizzlies are built, they have really turned themselves into a very, very good team. And they, they played the Utah Jazz last year in the playoffs, and the Jazz dispatched them relatively easily. But that was a young team who was still learning to win. I think they have taken that next step this year. Memphis is going to be in the top four in the in the West this year. It's very clear at this point. They're going to finish in the top four. They're going to have a home playoff series to start the NBA playoffs. The biggest thing with last night's game is I felt like the Utah Jazz, had they had their full complement of players, and currently, yes, there are three, two guys out, and they're your top two players if you're the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I feel like last night's game, had you had both of those guys, that's a game that still is an absolute dogfight, but there's... Uh, there is the thought in the back of my head saying, I need to see this Jazz team get back to full strength. Just 12 games ago, I, I tweeted this out last night, Jeff. Just 12 games ago, the Utah Jazz were sitting at 28-10, and 10, and life was feeling pretty good for this team. 12 games later, they're 30-20. and 20, And it's like, whoa, what, what, just, what just happened? Yeah, exactly, yes. Yeah, to use that drop. But it, that, that's the, how quickly I think the tenor of a season can change. 
this month of January at the outset of, I do vividly remember we did a show and I, we were talking about this. I, well, maybe it's Eric that was here. I don't remember who was here producing that day. We, and we talked about all the other shows that week is at the outset of the new year, January was going to be a crucible for this Utah jazz team. They were contenders up and down the uh, schedule. And you were looking at it and saying, okay, we'll see how the jazz stack up. Then, COVID hits the Utah Jazz. The last team to have COVID issues, they get hit with that. Then they have the injury issues pop up with Donovan Mitchell with the concussion protocol, Rudy Gobert with the calf strain. We've had multiple other uh, issues with Utah Jazz players. By the way, Boyan Bogdanovich playing through an avulsion oh, fracture. Yeah, he, fracture, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I think, I don't remember who, it, it might have been uh, Jake and Tim or it might have been David uh-huh. who was saying that more or less they're playing without Bogdanovich right now because he... I mean, that finger is supposed to have somewhere around six weeks mm-hmm. with no movement to heal properly, and he's trying to play through it. And clearly it's affecting him, yes. which it's admirable for the effort, but at the same time, it's like, if it's not going to work, then he needs to get that healed up because we're going to need bogey as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's playing one-handed right now. He can't really dribble, do much with his left hand because he's got that splint on that finger to try and keep it immobilized at all, at all possible. And it is on his left hand. It's on his shooting hand. So... He technically can play with it, but I, I'm with you. You're playing with a one-handed Boyan Bogdanovich, and a one-handed Boyan Bogdanovich is actually a pretty decent NBA player, but you want a full full complement of your of your weapons. I'm of the opinion, this is, let me be very clear, this is me just speaking. If I'm Boyan Bogdanovich and I get to the All-Star break, which is coming up here, are we just a, what, a week and change out? Are we, what, 10 days two, out? Two weeks. Two I, weeks. I think the Jazz's last game is the 16th of February at okay. the Lakers, okay. I believe. Okay, so so we're coming up on it. They're going to have a full nine days off. I actually looked at Oh, yeah, February 16th at Los Angeles. You're a smart man. Look at you go. All right, look at the schedule, Jake. Don't be a dummy. So they will be off uh, from the fe- February 16th for the All-Star break, and they'll be off until the following Friday when they face the Dallas Mavericks. I look at this, and yes, the, I, the time window for that avulsion fracture, uh, looking at the timeline, it was four to six weeks. You need to immobilize to heal up. Boyan Bogdanovich, the dude loves playing hoop. It's very clear. He has uh, turned ankles. He has hurt his wrist. Like he had to have surgery on that wrist. He has played through numerous maladies because he just likes playing hoop. I want him healthy for the playoffs. Similar to what you were just saying, Jeff. The the tenor, the refrain, everything we hear from the Utah Jazz is, yes, right now it's not good. We're not playing well. We're, we're losing games. It's blah, 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 blah. It's all a look ahead. They, they, they want to be right come April when the NBA playoffs tip off. Well, if you want to get right, you may tell Boyan, take the hit now. Sit sit now. Get yourself healthy. We'll get you back sometime in March, hopefully. And then we're looking towards the playoffs. And at that point, you're hoping that Rudy's go, full go, Donovan's full go, Mike Conley, who I think Mike Conley, dude needs extra, he, he needs NBA officials to understand what this dude's doing. Uh, you heard it last night in the postgame. Maybe I should be getting more technicals. Maybe I get some more respect from the officials. I don't blame him. He, it's been a it's been a career long issue for him. He does not get calls. No, absolutely, I completely agree. Um, I want to jump back okay. to the Bogey thing yeah. really quick. I I agree with what you said on Mike Conley. Before Bogey got injured, he was shooting. I don't remember if it was numbers wise, but arguably the best of his career. He, in, his splits in, were really in, good, in, yeah. In the NBA, and so clearly the injury is affecting him. And to your point, if it's if it's about the playoffs, it's about postseason, and we want to get him healthy. It's like if he heals up and goes right back up to shooting, 
you know, shooting the way he was before he got injured. We need that. Sure. Like that is there. Him being injured is not as big of a loss as not having Donovan or not having Gobert. But I think people underestimate what him being injured, how much it impacts the Jazz. And to what we were saying before, again, if other people are starting to step up a little bit more, Eric Pasco, Daniel mm-hmm. House, certain people, then give him a chance. You know, let Bogey heal and give some other people a chance to show what they can do off the bench. I, I, and I, I like what you said, and we're going to get to more of this. Uh, coming up in our next segment, we're actually going to play Quinn Snyder's postgame press session. I, wanna, I want you guys to hear the entirety of it if you did not hear it. I thought he had a very good message, and it actually kind of stands in stark contrast to what he said earlier this week. He was Oh, Wednesday pl- was the... He was fiery. Yeah, like he, he was composed because yes. he had to be, but yeah. he was the, the angriest I'd heard him all season. He has, and I, I think it was Andy Larson, I think, from the Salt Lake Tribune, pointed this out Wednesday night. There seems to be one to three memorable post-game press conferences where, like you said, Quinn is composed, but there is no mincing of words. And it, ha- it happens annually. There's one to three of them, and he sends his message. And anybody out there, let me pull back the curtain a little bit on how coaches use the media in their post-game press conferences. They're not speaking to you, the fans. They're not speaking to us, to hear, to us in the media, per se. They are speaking to their players via the media that is what the message is going right back into that locker room well and you find that by the fact that people ask when a question and then he'll answer it how he wants to answer it not necessarily how the question was asked he steers it how he wants yes and that so we're gonna let you hear from that i want to talk more about guys like dan wellhouse uh i also want to talk about eric pascal we'll get to all of that in just a moment let's flip over and talk for him they'll also hear what's the big deal about the other big thing this weekend the nfl playoffs we have championship weekend upcoming both games scheduled for tomorrow one o'clock mountain time will be the afc championship game with the cincinnati Bengals taking on the kansas city chiefs followed by an nfc west showdown the third matchup between the san francisco 49ers and the los angeles rams in the nfc playoffs Jeff, uh, let's start off on the AFC side of things. I am starting really to fall in love with with what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing, but they also are going up against the buzzsaw that is the Kansas City Chiefs, and apparently they only need 13 seconds to get points on the board. So where should we start on this one? Well, the Bengals are the the fairy tale story, and so you do want to root for them. Also, and I'm not going to get into this, but if you have certain feelings about overtime rules then most people are probably leaning towards the Bengals if not for that reason alone I would have I thought it would have been awesome to have seen the Bengals and the Bills just because it kind of an unexpected matchup I guess sure. you could say yeah um obviously though with the Chiefs I mean Andy Reid is a great coach and and they do they're a great team and they do deserve it they've got the best player in football right now Patrick yeah, Mahomes yeah. is no, special they, they do um I there, I like to believe in fairy tale stories, so I'm I'm gonna go Bengals. But oh. you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to bet it's hard to bet against the Chiefs, though. Uh, so Eric was here last week when we were doing our picks on NFL games, and he was crowing on and on about the Tennessee Titans, and well, uh, and so. So okay, the thing is, he's going on and on trying to play devil's advocate, and, I, I, and he didn't tell me he was playing devil's advocate until I was like, "Hey, what's your pick for that game?" It was it was Cincinnati versus Tennessee, if I recall correctly. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to go with the Bengals." And I'm like, "Hold on, what, what have you been doing this whole time?" <laughs> so I made him pick Tennessee. He's like, well, "Fine, I'll, I'll I'll believe in my guys. I believe in Tennessee." And Cincinnati goes out and gets the job done. There's a real curse across sports in first round buys. In some ways, yes. This year it has been, yeah. 
I, well, we saw both number one seeds. Uh, the, the Niners go to Green Bay and somehow win without scoring an offensive touchdown. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But you're right. The the number one seeds. There's the 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 play versus rest debate is actually a real thing. There are teams who want nothing more than to get right back on the field. They just they, they like playing the they like the rotation of playing weekly. You you gear up, you play Sunday, and then you get right back in the rotation. You gear up and play Sunday. They like that when you've have a game off late in the season after you've played. That's in the NFL now. It's 18 weeks. You have a bye week in there, but after 18 weeks, and then you all of a sudden you have a week off while these other teams are playing. There's a huge debate of those teams playing and being in that that grind. I guess is the easiest way to say it. And then you having to come in and and get right back into it after a week off. There's that play versus rest debate. Is it's a real thing. Yeah. Well, and then you have the mixed bag because on the other hand, if you have guys out injured and you get an extra week to to try to get sure. some people back, then that might be well, that's what Tennessee, you. That's what Tennessee wanted. It was Derrick Henry. They wanted to give him that extra time, and they got the number one seed. Derrick Henry, he didn't lose that game, I felt like. And no. the funny thing is, the Cincinnati Bengals won despite Joe Burrow getting sacked not one, not two, nine times. That offensive line for Cincinnati is hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. And Kansas City's defensive front is not the same as uh, what Tennessee has got. But uh, if you're Cincinnati, you better be scheming something up because you know that the Chiefs are going to pin their ears back and they're coming after number nine. Oh, there's there's no reason to not think that the Chiefs are going to win except for, like I said, Cinderella story because you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got uh, Tyreek Hill. You have all these, uh-huh. you know, all these big players. There's no reason to bet against the Chiefs. Sure, but I'm just gonna go Bengals because why not? You yeah, know, why have not? fun, make your picks. Yeah, see, I'm going with the Chiefs. And right now, honestly, if you were to pick, so going into the playoffs, I was my pick to win the Super Bowl was Green Bay Packers. I thought there was an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour, a bleep you tour, if you will, from him that he was going to lead them to a Super Bowl title and then there was going to be a huge debate about, well, what is Green Bay going to offer him to keep him in town? But the Niners went and beat him. And interest of full disclosure, I'm a huge Niners fan. I'm wearing a Niners shirt right now. Like I, The Niners are my team, but I thought Green Bay was going to win the Super Bowl. Now, with the final four teams remaining, my pick for the Super Bowl, I'm going with Kansas City. The fact that they could take every single haymaker that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills could throw at them and have only 13 seconds to work with and somehow get themselves not just within field goal range, within chip shot field goal range for an NFL kicker of Harrison Butker's caliber, just stunning to me. There's nothing this team can't do. And Kansas City's my favorite to win it all. I am going to respectfully pick a different team. I... Like I said, I'm, guessing I, on the, I, I'm guessing on the I, NFC side of things here, yeah, right? Yeah, so, so I, I picked the Bengals to go through. I don't actually yeah. believe that, but I'm still picking them. But <laughs> Okay. I uh, Just having fun. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Ju- yeah, just having fun. But I think there's a very – I think the Rams have a very strong case. Don't smite me, Mr. No. Well, no, Mr. San Francisco. And, but okay, I, here, here's the thing. Let me be very clear about this. The San Francisco 49ers are winning in spite of the fact that they have horrendous quarterback play. I made a bet. Well, actually, I just broke my own bet. I, I promised that if, if Jimmy G got the Niners into field goal range where they could win that game against the Green Bay Packers, my slander for Jimmy Garoppolo would be over. 
Maybe that only exists in Twitter. But regardless, the Niners are winning in spite of, of subpar quarterback play right now. The Los Angeles Rams, they are elite. They've got pass rushers. They've got the best defensive lineman in the game right now. They've got a quarterback in Matthew Stafford who's been just— I was just, say, let's talk about bringing in Matthew Stafford yeah, this year. Denigrated, overlooked, under—he's underwhelmed at times during his time out there in Detroit— well, people thought he was not going to get it done this year. And guess where the Los Angeles Rams are? They are playing at home against their NFC West rival in San Francisco with a chance, if they win, to play the Super Bowl on their home field. Yeah, and I think whether they make it to the Super Bowl, whether they win the Super Bowl, I think most people would probably agree that taking Matthew Stafford and letting Jared Goff go was the right it was. decision. Yeah. Um, and they should feel extremely excited for the future. I guess um, you know they've they've still got some some legs in them to to you know if it doesn't work out this year you know they they still have more time to work. Yeah, it, it, I look and let's let's talk about the NFC. We got to get the break here, but real quickly on the NFC side of things, is San Francisco the last three seasons has had the Rams number. You know what the record is for San Francisco? 0 six. Well, for the Rams against the Niners, they're zero and six in yeah. the last three seasons. Like Kyle Shanahan has beaten Sean McVay head-to-head six straight times. You got to do it a seventh time here. There is a mental aspect of knowing that record because as much as people want to talk about, oh, the record doesn't matter, the players, they know. Mm-hmm. They know. And there is a certain degree of, even though I think the Rams are better than the Niners at this point, them knowing that record might put them out a little bit. Yeah, and the... The interesting part with this is I think that the Rams, have they had they, they went all in. They, they have pushed all their chips in the middle. They traded for Vaughn Miller. Uh, they've got Jalen Ramsey. Eric Weddle, the former Ute, is in the defensive secondary out there coming out of retirement. <laughs> He's 37 years old and still looking like he can still play. It's pretty impressive what the Aaron Rams— Aaron Donald. I was going to say Aaron Donald's the best defensive lineman in, in the league. Like he, he's— and has been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, his his ability to consistently dominate and be what he has been for four or five years now at least, it's insane. But he's very, very good. And the, the, the biggest thing is now, can the Niners somehow find yet another way to cross up what the Rams are obviously going to be game planning for them? I don't know. And I think, and I've said this, trust me, I'm, I'm three weeks in now on these NFL playoffs saying, well, it's been a fun ride with the Niners, but they're, they're going down after this week. I'm picking the Rams. I'm going against my team. Call me a bad fan if you will, but I've got Rams versus Chiefs. I'm going chalk here. I'm going chalk. I'm going the favorites at home to play in the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of intriguing stories on the other side with both underdogs coming in here. So. We'll see. Who are you, are you picking the Rams? Yeah. So, you got, so, you, so you're going Rams Bengals. I'm going. I'm going Rams Bengals. Bengals again. What not, a story it would be. Yeah. What a story it would be. Yes. But on the other side, yeah, Rams. I I do believe that they will be the 49ers. If both underdogs win, Niners Bengals. Those are the two underdogs. The two visiting teams. They they met in the Super Bowl 40 years ago. Boomer Esiason versus Joe Montana. Joe Montana won, a, won the first Super Bowl title for the San Francisco 49ers and kicked off the dynasty that was the Niners through the 80s and the better part of the 90s. So some fun storylines if you get that as well. It'd be a really weird offseason if the 49ers won the Super Bowl and looked oh, bad through the entire oh, playoffs. <laughs> They've looked bad so far, so why not win the whole thing and still look bad? Go win the thing. Yes, that, that's what it's all about. That's, that's the refrain right now. But, yeah, you're right. They, they, they went and drafted Jimmy Garoppolo's presumed replacement and Trey Lance. If he wins the Super Bowl, 
Oh my god. Okay. Anyways, we <laughs> there's more to talk about. We'll get to more about later on on today's show. All right. Coming up next, we we'll get right back to the Utah Jazz. I want you guys to hear from Quinn Snyder. Very interesting comments I felt like from the Utah Jazz head coach about where he sees his team right now, and it, it I think is maybe we as fans and media etc are maybe perceiving things a lot worse than they are inside the building. We'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday show. Can't wait. Can't can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning for all of you out there. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you guys that Jimmy's Flowers is one of our sponsors here on the Saturday show. Valentine's Day is coming soon, my friends. It is, let's see, we are January 29th, so we are 16, 17 days away. Uh, take care of that special someone in your life with flowers from Jimmy's Flowers. Order early for the best selection at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. All right, time to get back to some Utah Jazz talk here. They suffered their fourth straight loss last night to the Memphis Grizzlies. One, uh, it was one, 119 to 109 was the final tally in that game. And it was a rough week for the Utah Jazz because they played the three teams in front of them in the Western Conference standings. Yes, the Utah Jazz, despite all of the sky is falling, everybody panic moments, the Utah Jazz are still fourth in the Western Conference. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. You just got to look at NBA standings. Now, can things be better for this team? Absolutely. I want you guys, and so I want to play Quinn Snyder's post-game press session from last night because I thought it, 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 it laid out how he perceives this team right now after, like I said, a rough week for them, four straight losses. They have lost, uh, let's see, four of their last seven, 10 of their last 12. They're 4-11 this month, in the month of January. It's been a rough go for this team. But Quinn Snyder, he's not giving up on this team. Here you go. We competed our tails off. Um, and there was a lot of size on the floor, and we didn't have a lot of it. And you know, we we battled, and you know, when it's a four-point game, three minutes to go, Boyan's got a layup. We're right there. Maybe it was five-point game, six-point game. I don't know what it was. But we were right there. And that was after being down, you know, double digits at various times. So, um, these guys are leaving it out there. And that's what we want to do. We want to do. That's going to help us get better. When guys come back, they got to be just as competitive. Played like a hungry team. That's who we need to be. We need to be a hungry team. Um, you know, it's kind of just playing the way that we play when we're the balls moving in a way that allows us to attack a closeout or take a shot. And 
we've got to keep, you know, we can't pass up shots, meaning we can't catch the ball and not shoot it or drive it or pass it. That's just, that's paramount to how we play the game. And when we do that um, and we drive it and we're under control, you know, good things can happen, you know, if we don't leave our feet and commit, you know, if we're poised in the lane. And I thought the times that hurt us were when we weren't, you know, when that did happen and then we weren't as aware of our spacing or we passed up a shot. Um, and then the ball stops and then you get a team that's as long and as athletic as them and they're able to lock in again. And, but as much as anything, you know, that's reference to the offensive end. I just think defensively we were, you know, we were scrambling and playing hard. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, scrapping for rebounds and then we can get out and run. So, you know, when you play hard, good things happen. Playing selfish, good things happen. That's what we did. Yeah. No, I mean, a few years ago, we talked about, you know, freedom of movement and wraps, grabs, you know, two hands. And, you know, it's hard for Mike. I mean, our, my message to our guys is always, you know, adjust to the, the way the game's officiated. But, you know, Mike's as quick as anybody out there, but he's 170 pounds. Strong 170, but, you know, he drives with two hands on him. You know, usually if a guy's going straight, he doesn't try to go the other direction away from the basket. So um, we got to be tougher, get lower, get stronger, you know, initiate. You know, he's not hooking anybody. I know that. Um, you know, we've got to be that. That's where we we, we played with a, with a chip on our shoulder. Tonight. That, you know, that's what it, no one's going to give us anything. You know, I don't care how the game's officiated, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think it's at a disadvantage for someone like Mike. Has Mike had a technical in his career? So that that says a little something about when he thinks he's getting bounced around. You know, probably not lying. So it's just a question of what kind of game we want. And uh, whatever that is, we, you know, like I said, I mean, we, we need to be tougher. We need to be hungrier. I think that's something we've improved on the last four games and you know, let's take it up another notch. When Rudy comes back, Donovan comes back, they have to meet that same level. And, you know, let's be stronger. So maybe, maybe that's the answer. Um, Is there a way to take, you know, guys have control of the Say, say, guys, what tone growing? Yeah, I mean, we, we guys, guys, you know, guys are competing for minutes. You got to defend. You know, you got to run. Got to run back. You know, take pride in those things, and good things happen. You know, that's what I said. I, I thought Rudy Gay raised his level tonight. Um, House raised his level. You know, I thought Hassan raised his level. And, you know, Trent did the other night. 
and those guys can continue, um, you know, to give us, give us that. I think that that, you know, that's hunger and that's infectious. I mean, our whole team's got to be that way. Everybody's got to have that. Donovan's got to have that. Rudy's got to have that. Mike's got to have that. Um, that that's that, that's fun. That's when the game gets fun. And I think you're not going to go in the locker room and see a bunch of smiles, but you know you, you, you probably see some guys that you know have some pride and and uh, can feel good at least about the you know the way they're competing. And I think that that's over the long term. That's what wins. I like what he just said. Competing in the long term, that's what wins. The Utah Jazz don't have their best two players right now. They're the best two players. I think they're far more competitive and maybe pick up a couple of wins this week. I know that's ifs and buts and candy and nuts and all that stuff. But Is that a phrase? I think it's the first if, time I've heard that. If, ifs and buts for candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I think that's the right phrase there. I've literally never heard that. You can Google it. But that's the thing about that is like hypotheticals don't get you anywhere in sports. Results are what matters. I say it, and I host, I have a podcast that covers BYU, and I say this all the time on my podcast. I'm going to say it right here. All that matters to fans, if you really want to boil it down to the essence of what you're doing as a fan of a certain team, is you want to see your team have more points at the end of the night or the end of the game than the other team. If you want to boil it down to just brass tacks, bare minimum, you want your team to win, the other team to lose. Right? Are we wrong here? Like, So I, I like what Quinn said. Continue to compete. He wants his guys to continue to buy in. And Quinn's obviously trying to massage some guys' egos, I feel like, in that locker room. Uh, I, I, I thought it was kind of funny during that. He's talking about, well, I don't care about how things are officiated. Um, you want to talk about the technical you got last night, Coach, after that no call? <laughs> He was yelling. It's the heat of the moment. And by the way, have you seen that video of the lady behind him just like eyes wide open? No, I haven't. It's on my Twitter feed. A fan. We do this at least once on a Saturday show where I'm just like, oh, I haven't seen this. And you're like, check my Twitter. But you're you're in the middle of producing the game. I don't expect you to see it. I'm, Jeff, I'm blessed enough to do what I do. I usually sit in your seat. I'm usually sitting behind the glass, perusing social media, posting audio, all all that stuff. I'm doing all the stuff the producers do. I'm blessed enough that with jazz games, I got to go go home, sit on my couch, have my kids climb all over me while I'm watching the game. I get to peruse social media, and I see th- random stuff that happens during a game that you will not see. So, yes, this does happen a lot when you're producing the show. I'm like, hey, did you check it out on my Twitter feed. It, it, go, Jacob C. Hatch. It's pretty funny. There's a lady behind Quinn Snyder when he is just unloading on those officials, getting that technical last night. And she is just bug eyes, like, oh, my goodness, because <laughs> he was – he was spouting off. He, he pulled his best Jerry Sloan impression. Let's just put it that way. But the overall message I feel like from Quinn is what I think he is trying to get across is that this team still believes. Yes, they have had a bad, bad month. The, the all-star break cannot get here soon enough. They cannot get Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell back on the court together along with the rest of the guys. They need to get all of that back together. But the hope is that that is all happening and I would say that if we get into mid-March and we're still having injury concerns with guys sitting out extended periods of times that's getting too late right now is not too late you're only at the 50 game mark we hit the 50 game mark last night the Jazz said 30 and 20 despite all of the crap that's been going on with this team injuries COVID-19 rumors from Rick Buecher that their one first round exit from 
Donovan Mitchell going to New York. By the way, uh, Donovan Mitchell, if you want to go to New York, uh, you're going to play for the worst owner in sports. I'm just saying. Dolan, James Dolan, is a he's adult. There you go. There, use some alliteration there. Don't do it. But that's just me. Uh, Donovan Mitchell for James Harden? Question mark. <laughs> right. Complete sarcasm. Please, nobody <laughs> quote me on that. Jeff Fafa something 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 sixteen on Twitter. Send send your hate mail there. But anyways, uh, complete sarcasm. Please, the, please don't come after me. <laughs> but the biggest thing with the Utah Jazz is they're they're fighting. You can see it if you've watched the games this week. They have gone up against three other teams that are ahead of them in the Western Conference standings. Got teams that. In theory, the Jazz could see whether it's in the Western Conference semifinals or the Western Conference finals, should they make it that far in the playoffs. And they have hung toe they have hung toe to toe? What's the phrase I'm trying to use here? They they, they just they've gone toe they've gone, gone toe to toe. toe. I was like, toe to toe is right, but I don't think they've it's the gone right toe word. to toe. We got it. I, we can do this. This is live radio. Come on now. Uh, but they've we got, can do hard things. They've gone toe-to-toe with these teams, and they have shown well without their best two players. Are there deficiencies on this Jazz roster, and could they very well make a trade ahead of the NBA trade deadline coming up? Absolutely. That wouldn't surprise me. But this team I don't think is as far away as we in the media and fans out there at large might perceive it to be. I took that away from Quinn Snyder last night. Maybe I'm up in the night. Maybe I'm wrong for assuming as such, but... I think Quinn's got a better pulse of this team than we do. Yeah, I'm going to say two quick things because yeah. I know we need to go to break. One, I think the Suns are the best team in the league, and it's not close. Well, that's so easy, yeah. Like, it's it's respectable. Re- Record-wise, yeah. Uh, it's respectable, I guess uh-huh. you could say, to lose to them in a competitive way. And in the first, first game, second game, if we don't let Devin Booker go off for 21 points in the first mm-hmm. quarter— you know, maybe yeah. maybe that's different. Getting yeah. a fast start. Second thing is, you mentioned a month ago. You know, we were what twenty six, twenty eight, and ten. It was twenty eight and ten, twelve games ago. Yeah, and things were seeming fine. And now a month later, we're thirty and twenty. Who's to say a month from now we don't revert back to what it was like a month ago, it where the record looks looks good again? It's again, it's about the end of the season, and it's also about recognizing that there is still time and. You know, this guy is not falling. There is still plenty of time to turn things around. Yeah, there, there is time. Yeah, so I want to see that turnaround soon, though. I, I want to see this team back at full strength tomorrow. I, if I, if I could wave a magic wand and say, Rudy Gobert, your calf is healed. Donovan Mitchell, your concussion issues are behind you. Everybody else has got an ache and a pain, a broken finger for bogey. I'd wave that magic wand and say, you're back to full strength. Go out there and do your thing. Because I think this team's a whole lot better than what they've shown recently. But, Maybe maybe that's just me being sunshine and rainbows and trying to sound like a, a TV broadcaster, as PK likes to say. No, and you look at a weird, weird two games. We beat the Nuggets without Gobert and without Mitchell, and the Nuggets are a pretty good team. They're they they're better than certain teams that we have lost to without yeah. um, Mitchell and Gobert. And so it shows again, we can do it. We just have to do it. Uh, one correction real quick here. Our good friend Ryan Hancock, the former BYU Cougar quarterback slash pitcher, guy who pitched in the major leagues. I've played golf with Ryan. He's a great dude. Uh, he's, he corrects me. It's actually Joe Montana versus Ken Anderson in 1981 in that first Niners-Bengals matchup. And I said, okay, yeah, well, there you go. So it was it was Boomer Esiason in, this, in the matchup later on. In the, was that 80? 
I'm not even gonna try again. I already screwed up once, but it was Ken Anderson alive. was the know. quarterback for the for the Bengals in that first matchup that kicked off Niner Mania there in the 1980s. So thank you, Ryan, for listening. Appreciate you weighing in. All right, coming up next, we get to technical fouls, rewarding people who behave badly in sports and beyond. Later on in the 11 o'clock hour, we're gonna let you hear some of the highlights from Tom Homo's media session. Went for 40 some odd minutes, 46 minutes maybe. Uh, but we're gonna get some of the highlights from that. Let you hear from him, and also we'll also get to five minutes of talk some soccer hockey college hoops so a whole lot more still to come right here on the saturday show right here on the zone sports network if you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet that's a technical foul if you switch the radio to some modern music show that's a technical foul if you touch the thermostat you'll get hit with a bat because that's a technical foul you will feel my wrath that's a technical foul Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. I take the cool foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, presented by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. Thank you for taking the time to join us here. And as you heard right there, it is time for technical fouls. And, okay, Jeff, are you a UFC fan? I am not. Okay, but you know what UFC is, obviously. Yeah, no, Ultimate Fighting Championship and... They are some very tough dudes to get in an octagon and beat the ever-living you-know-what out of each other in the name of money. Uh, but, uh, okay, so Don Fry is UFC Hall of Famer. He won UFC 8. I think we're up to UFC 271 upcoming, so it's been a while. Uh, UFC has been around for a long time. It was not as big as it was back in the day, but... Um, so Don Fry uh, said that a fan at the most recent event, it was in Anaheim, I believe, UFC 270. Uh, Fry said he, this fan was drunk, bumped into his hat, and after an exchange of a war exchange of words, the fan challenged Don Fry to a fight. Uh, though he did not hit him with full force, Fry did smack him in the face with a jab so mean it snapped the he- the fan's head back. And you can see it. TMZ Sports actually has a video of it. Uh, the fan obviously was escorted away by uh, a security, but let's just put it this way. Uh, let's not, you know, pick fights with UFC Hall of Famers. No. Seems like a bad, bad idea because those people, they're just going to, they'll beat you up. No doubt about that. All right. Um, other things out there. Uh, obviously, we were just talking about the NFL playoffs a little bit earlier on in this hour. Uh Jeff, do you know how expensive it is going to be to go to this game? Tens of thousands of dollars. Well, Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Parking know. is going to cost you almost as much as a ticket to the game. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Arash Markazi, who is a sports columnist for Los Angeles Times, uh, this came yesterday, I believe, said prepaid sp- parking spots within one and a half miles of SoFi Stadium are being sold online now. $175 for a spot at a nearby high school, $200 for a spot at a nearby residential unit, $300 for a spot at a nearby home, oh, and just a healthy $498.23 for a spot at the garage of a nearby medical center if you'd like to go park there for the game. 500 bucks to park your car for the opportunity to go watch the Rams and the Niners. Normally I wouldn't say this, but I feel like Uber would be cheaper. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably, even with the swarm pricing or whatever they call that, that they have for those big things. But, geez, it's crazy. So, uh, let's see. So, Rosh Mkazi said this. There's an interesting trend happening with Rams 49ers tickets. The get-in price starting to drop below $600. It's still the most expensive of the season, while the price of on-site parking passes has risen above $300. So on-site, like on the actual 
property of um, SoFi Stadium there. The Hollywood Park is what they called that district or whatever down there in Inglewood. Man, that's crazy expensive to park your car. But yeah, so, and the whole thing, by the way, just another technical foul on the Los Angeles Rams for trying to stop non-LA-based fans from buying tickets to the game in the thought that they were going to stop 49ers fans from taking over their stadium like they did a few weeks ago. It was, uh, let's see, who was it? Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly Stafford, I think she said it on social media, said it sounded like an away game in their home stadium when the Niners and the Rams squared off in Week 18. You know what? Niners fans represent everywhere. I was going to say, the only technical foul there is on your own fans for not being loud enough. Or buy up your own tickets and don't sell them to Niners fans. Like yeah, I'm just saying, like, show up. Yeah, that's, no, that, that's if, the thing with if, the, if your fans show up, then you're not, you don't have this problem. L.A. didn't have NFL football for the better part of two decades when the Rams uh, moved to St. Louis for that time, and also the Raiders uh, went to Oakland uh, before moving on to Las Vegas. They got the Rams back now, but that two decades, a lot of people moved to L.A. They did not have an NFL team. They latched on with, in some cases, they were still Raiders fans. Some may have latched on with with the, what was then the San Diego Chargers. Some were Niners fans. It's going to be some time before you ultimately get, I think, a true home field advantage. I know that home field advantage isn't necessarily as big of a thing in NFL football as it is in college football, but still. It's going to take you some time to build back up that Rams fan base. I'm just saying. So technical foul on trying to stop fans you know, from actually going and watching the game. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a bad comparison, but you look at uh, a, a college like BYU that has such a big fan base everywhere else. We yeah. talk about getting that fan support. Imagine if all these colleges are just like, okay, BYU fans can only be limited to 200, <laughs> there, like, you know, some crazy There number. have been attempts at that in the past. BYU fans are wily, though. I'll give them that. BYU fans, they will find ways. They will get to those games. Trust me. I, I've got I've got some homies that are diehard Cougar fans, and they have found ways to get into games. And I'm just like, how in the world did you even come up with that? But that's they just go. Well, shout out to our guy Nate Slack, who I don't think has missed a BYU game, and you know, however long. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, Nate's a good friend. Who's down in Arizona now, but he he does he. Okay, that's actually a funny story about Nate. I know Nate, Nate fairly well. He moved to Arizona to take a job down there after graduating from BYU, with the caveat in it that he would be able to come to every BYU home game. He would fly back up. Like That was just the deal. So, Fans are diehards, man. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And I, I got mad respect for all of you out there who do stuff like that. You, you go, you represent, you get out on the road, you support your team. It's actually it's very commendable. And it's just it's stupid when a team tries to stop that from happening. And they try and, well, with your, your zip code's going to determine. Like, guess what? The funny thing was PayPal, they actually hide all that information. You can pay via PayPal on Ticketmaster for games. And you could have been living in the Bay Area, and there was no way the, the Rams would have ever been able to know. So, all right. Enough of that. All right, coming up next, we're going to stick with the BYU theme here for a minute. Tom Homo uh, held his semi-annual media roundtable earlier this week. Some interesting comments as the Cougars gear up to join the Big 12 in 2023. We'll let you hear some of the highlights of his comments from that media session coming up next right here on the Saturday Show.